This episode is part two of a two-part conversation with my friend Trip, where we're talking about hope and the gospel, particularly as it applies to the area of sexual addiction and pornography usage in our culture. If you didn't listen to the first part of this conversation, please go back and listen to that. We talk about some uh, statistics about pornography usage. Trip shares his story. Um, we talk about accountability and the need for leaders. In this episode, we're going to talk about addiction and tools and strategies for uh, having victory in this area of life. I hope this is a blessing to you. Uh, I hope you know that God loves you to the very bottom, friends. This is Jason Leonard. This is the House Podcast, and we're helping the next generation discover real life in Jesus Christ. Um, so we you mentioned the word uh, addiction and this idea of addiction, um, you know, addiction versus addicts. Uh, so take a second to try to define like, what, do, yeah. what addiction is. Um, so, and I've heard it, I've all, I think there are a lot of different definitions. I, I think there'll be a lot of people listening to this who are at, who are thinking as this moment's happening, right? am I an addict or not? Right, They sure. don't know. Yeah. And they're probably terrified. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's, and you know, <laughs> there are a couple moments where um, clinicians, like uh, certified uh, psychiatrists or psychologists, called me some kind of addict. You are a drug addict. You are a sex addict. Sure. Uh, and I don't know if I can cuss on your show, but I, I told him you can. I can. <laughs> I told him to go f himself both times. Yeah. Because uh, I, ref- I, I, and you know, mm-hmm. there's a, probably a bunch of reasons why, but there's there's an aspect of denial there that I, mm. I viewed people that had addictions as other. You know, there yeah. people outside, people on the streets, um, people who are worse than me. You know, the, the Pharisee. Looking at the Gentile in the back of the church, like oh, those those are the addicts, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not an addict. I just I just look at porn every once in a while. Yeah. Um, but I think that language is helpful um, in one sense because it it highlights the severity of, of what an addiction is. So what is an addiction? Um, there's a couple of different ways to define it. Uh, one one very basic way of defining an addiction is anything that you have to have mm. that you can't live without. Um, you know, is that it could be success, it could be money, it could be your job, it could be a relationship, uh, it could be porn, it could be food, it can be a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah. Right now, pings from social media accounts. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, that's very interesting. Every time you pick up your phone, you get a little hit of dopamine that's and totally, actually yeah. feeds, it feeds the same neurological Dude, crazy, cycle. this is like a weird stat to drop in this, but in 2018... Uh, there was a stat that it was it was somewhere in the 60 percentile, but 60 percent of high school students in the United States, some, somewhere in the 60s, percent of high school students woke up in the middle of the night to check their phones to yeah. see if they, they they literally just wake up in the middle of the night yeah. to just look and see if people were responding to their social right. media right. feeds. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then they go back to bed. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Like all these sleep deprived teenagers. You know? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Addiction. Yeah, no, and then and, and that's yeah, that's the consciousness of their brains, like waking them up and injecting it. Um, which, again, a lot of interesting neurobiology things going on there. I'm sure yeah. we can. We'll see if we get to all that. Another another helpful definition of addiction that that I found is addiction. It, it is anything that destroys your ability to enjoy the thing that you're trying to enjoy in the first place. Say that again. Sure. Addiction is anything that is, destroys your ability to enjoy the thing that you're trying to enjoy in the first place. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'll give you an example. Uh, like greed, right? If you're mm-hmm. addicted to money. If money is the thing that you have to have, right? Yes. And money, money can give you a lot. It can open a lot of doors. Uh, you know, it's it's the it's essentially the cultural currency, literally that yeah, agreement. It's, it's it's like liquid commodity, man. Right, That's exactly. It's I, you know, I, you and I both agreed that this has this much value, yep, and therefore yep, we yep. can transit. So it, it's it's not money in of itself isn't a bad thing, mm-hmm. but if get if gaining money is the is the thing for you, yeah. what you'll end up doing is you'll start cheating, uh, you'll start stealing. Mm-hmm. You'll start destroying the fabric of the culture that you're a part of, which empowers your money to be of value in the first place. Yeah. Um, you know, pornography, right? It, it, it's 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 a lot about relationships and it's a lot about connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyone that's going through it, especially if you're married, will tell you that pornography is dis- is actively destroying the thing that you want in the first place: this yeah. connection, this intimacy, uh, this physical ecstasy. 
Um, uh, there's a there's a there's a cool illustration um, that I've heard the the gypsy moth was brought over in the 19 early 1910s 1920s to try to uh, be the American silk industry, um, but instead of making silk, uh, the gypsy moth just ate all our trees. Uh, <laughs> it was a big mess, and so uh, scientists were struggling um, to try to deal with the gypsy moth. And so what they the way that they did is they the way that they tried all these different pesticides, nothing really worked. And the way they finally were able to quell their population is they created a, they synthesized the female gypsy moth pheromone and they took it and they just turned it up to 11 so that the, the pheromone was so strong that the gypsy moth uh, would smell the pheromone and want the pheromone and ignore the actual females themselves. So the pheromone was so Get potent out. and so powerful that the gypsy moths refused to mate with real females, the thing that the, the that they the, actually wanted exactly right. yeah. the very thing that they wanted, and that I mean I cannot think of a better definition of an addiction, something that you want so much that it, it actually it covers over the thing that you that you really are trying to look for, um, and there's another so um, see the thing about the thing about pornography and sex addiction it's not a moral problem. Um, it's not a moral problem. It's a pain problem. It's a pain problem, and I've also heard it described as a brain problem, and I think they both kind of mean the same thing. Well, just for the sake of clarity, because you're sure. going to trigger some stuff there. I mean, yeah. like, it's there's ethics going on there. There's moral mm-hmm. dynamics that are actually at stake. Right. But you're suggesting that for somebody uh, who, and, and I mean, actually, most, the overwhelming majority of people in the United States, <laughs> not just for somebody, sure. the overwhelming majority of people yeah. in the United States, you're suggesting it's not helpful to frame this dynamic as a moral problem. Correct. Meaning, hey, you know what good is, yep. you know what evil is, and you're choosing evil. Stop doing that. Choose yep. good. Yep. That's not helpful. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's 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 not because uh, it's not the front of the battle. Right. Okay. That's yeah. not where the battle is actually taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, another illustration. It's like uh, if you have a tree, <laughs> and it has it has its roots in bad soil, yeah. uh, and you're. The way you'll be able to tell is the fruit's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, but trying to deal with pornography like it's a moral problem is like trying to pluck the bad fruit off and replace it with good fruit. Mm-hmm. Like you can might be able to tie a string around yeah. there and it might look yeah. like it's good for a little while, but it's not where the problem is. The problem is much, much deeper and much earlier. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a great example of it from, from Scripture. We, we, we talked about this the other day. Um, you know, when... See, cause the problem is, is we hear these. Sometimes we hear these verses like, um, like take every thought captive, yeah. or you know, the Lord will always give you a way out. Yes. And we think that it's the moment of temptation. That's where the battle is, right? Yeah, right. When I when I'm getting tempted to look at porn, mm-hmm. that's when, yeah. or act out in whatever way. That's when I'm I gotta fight and use scripture and try harder and make sure I love Jesus in those moments. Yep. Uh, or when the or when the attractive person walks by you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I challenge anyone, if there's an attractive person to walk by, to, to with their mind think, like, don't look or think about the attractive person. <laughs> it's, it doesn't work, right? Yeah, right, it's, right. It's the, you, you can't help yeah. it, but think about or, or look at that or look at that person. So where is the battle? Um, so we talked the other day about when Jesus was tempted, right? It's a beautiful story. Yeah. You, know, you probably could have a whole sermon series on that, on that instance in Scripture. But, you know, Jesus starts off by hearing the voice of God affirm him. Yeah. Uh, when, when John the Baptist baptizes him, he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Yes. Um, you hear the clear voice of the Father. And then Jesus then goes into the desert and is tempted three times. So first thing to note, God speaks to him once. Satan speaks to him three times. Uh, so it's no surprise that we hear Satan's voice more than God's. Uh, if we feel like we're hearing Satan's voice more than God's, it's perfectly normal. Um and the other thing, too, is in each of those moments, you know, Satan is trying to tempt Jesus with, uh, with a natural desire or, or something that's in his own heart, right? You know, Jesus didn't have any evil sin in his heart that Satan could exploit, so he just tempts him with hunger. Like, you yeah. feel hunger. He's hungry. So yeah. Right. It's not a yeah. big deal. Um, but the moment, see, the battle in that moment was not Jesus trying to convince himself, like, oh, I, I might be hungry, but I should do the right thing. The thing that he was remembering was the voice of his father when he was baptized, which was way before he was in the desert, right? It was back in the yeah. moment of, of plenty. And he knew if he were to, any of those moments, you know, the next time he Satan asks him to levitate from a temple mm-hmm. uh, and, then, and then 
you know, Satan just takes the gloves off and flat out just says, like, look, just I'll give you, yeah. I'll give you all the yeah. glory if you just worship me. Yeah. And each time Satan is asking Jesus to use his power uh, to avoid the cross in, in some way. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, Jesus knew he would be separated from God. It would be the most painful thing. He would, he's still carrying the wounds from it. You know, God is still carrying right his now. own wounds, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so he knew the pain that that would cause, right? But that pain, um, the way that he was able to keep himself from, from being tempted is remembering, remembering the voice of his father in the midst of that pain. Yeah, because we're making an, we're making an assumption right now, and it's it's maybe obvious, but just want to make it more obvious that um, that folks listening to this, you and I too, um, want to be people who are in situations where we're tempted right. and we are victorious. Right. Yeah. And, absolutely. Um, and that the we we maybe often uh, go about our days, go about our lives. Um, hoping to avoid those temptations. Uh, I hope an attractive person never walks by me again, you know, or something like this, <laughs> sure. you know, and, and then, and then it happens and I go, Oh geez, I, you know, I got to figure out how to be victorious, but I haven't what been to the gym. Like, you know, I haven't, I haven't actually, I'm reminded of uh, Ephesians chapter six and um, where Paul says in Ephesians six to put on the full armor of God mm-hmm in order that you might be able to withstand the attacks of the devil on the evil day. Yeah. And uh, I think about this often because that language suggests, implies, that if I don't, if I'm not proactive in putting on the armor of God, whatever that means, and we don't need to talk about that today, but sure. but if I'm not proactive, the assumption from Paul is I will not be able to withstand the attacks of the devil later. Right. That's you know? right. That's right. Um can you tie that in with yeah, addiction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what does it look like practically? Um, so I'll, I'll use another psychological word here, uh, or um, a CBT term, a cognitive behavioral therapy term, this yeah. idea of trauma. Uh, so trauma, are, trauma is things that happen in our life that cause us pain in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and I, well, we, I think this is a good spot to dig into the brain a little Great. bit. All right, so... Um, they're various systems. The brain is wonderful, by the way. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, there are more nerve connections in your... Scientists used to think it was the number of neurons that really kind of made the brain how amazing it was, but it's, it's not the, the number of neurons. Exactly, right. Exactly. Because the number of neurons in your brain doesn't really change, but your nerve connections are changing constantly. I think right now we just need to pause, and this is totally selfish between you and me. <laughs> well, I just, we just, let's just give thanks to God for your grandfather right now. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. That's okay, right. Yeah, my, okay. <laughs> my, my grandfather is a, is a neurosurgeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have many memories of being a young kid and asking him questions in his life, like, how does his memory work? <laughs> totally. uh, and then, you know, he would give me, you know, explanations for that. So, yeah, um, so it's connections, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so there are more, um, there are more, have you heard the statistic, there are more grains of sand, I'm sorry, there are more stars of, in the sky than there are grains of sand on the beach. Have you ever heard that before? I have, yeah. Uh, there are more nerve connections in your brain than there are stars in the sky. Bonkers. So, that so, is bonkers. Yeah, your brain is yeah. quite literally the most complex thing. It's more complex than the universe than itself. The, isn't that crazy? Yeah, and it's, and it's inside your skull. Your brain makes around fifty trillion decisions a second. I mean, um, I don't. That sound. I don't know. What to, it's so. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> right. You, yeah. You, you could have said any number, and it that feels the same. It's, exactly, yeah. It's exactly, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. So, and, you know, and the question is, is like, how many of those decisions are being made at a conscious level? Right. Um, so in these moments of temptation, right, there are patterns of thinking and ways that our brain has been trained by our past and by our experiences to respond in certain ways. So when I say that pornography is not a moral problem, it's a problem with pain, mm-hmm. um, all of us have experienced trauma. Uh, and the vast majority of us have experienced trauma from our families. Uh, in fact, if you ask someone, like, well, what was your family like? And they say, oh, my family was good. That's usually an indicator yeah. that they had a traumatic a yeah. traumatic family environment. Um, some of us have, like, capital T traumas, like yeah. really big things that happen in our life. Um, things like sexual abuse and rape and physical abuse. Uh, some of us had lowercase t traumas yeah. um, where, you know, there were small lacks throughout our whole life yeah. that programmed us to think and act in certain ways. Um, so inside of the brain, there's a system called the limbic system. Uh, and what the limbic system is really there to do is it's there to assess uh, risk and reward. Um, and it's, it's, 
it's kind of the underlying emotional override center of your brain. Uh, and the thing about your limbic system is it's programmed, or sorry, it's fully ready. It's ready to go, fully developed at around the age five. Um, and, you know, your, your limbic system is the thing that, you know, is the reason why five-year-olds scream when they're hungry, right? Their brain is telling them, I'm going to die if I'm not, if I can't eat food. Or the reason why, you know, a, a little kid going Word through, for word what my six-year-old says. Yeah, yeah sure, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, or like you take them to Target or a store and they see a toy or a piece of candy that they like and you say you can't have it and their, and their brain just blah, explodes yeah. because, yeah. And, and the reality is, is, you know, that's a normal limbic response mm -hmm. uh, and it's perfectly normal for a five, six, seven-year-old to act that way. And the thing that helps us mitigate that is this part of our brain called the upper prefrontal cortex, which is essentially our, our decision-making center. Uh, so an example is like your limbic system says, I want to eat ice cream. And, and your limbic system doesn't care about anything, but in that moment it says, I want to eat all the ice cream as much as I can, as fast as possible. I'm very in touch with that. Yeah. <laughs> My limbic system and I are close. That's yeah. right. Uh, and uh, and your, your upper cortex will tell you... Um, you know, well, let's have, how about we just have one bowl? Because actually, if you eat too much ice cream, you're going to get sick and you're going to be worse off uh, than you were before. Yeah. Uh, in the, in the, it, so so your, your limbic system is fully, de or is fully developed by age five. Your prefrontal cortex, the thing that your brain uses to manage your limbic system, is not developed until you're 25. So it's literally like you're giving every person uh, an accelerator that's foot to the floor, for all of their life, and then you don't give them their breaks until they're in their 20s. Uh, so we really rely very heavily on our parents to be uh, a force to help us mitigate and understand yep. the way that the world works, because our brains are literally not able to make sense of it. Mm -hmm. um, but the problem is that so many of our families and so many of our experiences tell us things that are contrary to the gospel, uh, and they create pain in our lives. Uh, so when your parents right. tell you that unless you behave in this certain way, you can't come out of your room, right? That sounds benign, but if you think about that, what that is really telling you is if I don't measure up to this standard, I can't be a part of my family. And that gets internalized into the way that your brain works and thinks. So that when you go home and walk through the door and all of a sudden you're like, I want to look at porn. Like that's not, pornography isn't the issue. The issue is that you're experiencing and you're, you're reliving your past traumas and your pain is coming to the surface. And you have learned how to medicate that pain and to deal with that pain by looking at pornography. Because uh, there's an extremely powerful neurobiological response that happens when you look at porn. You know, you release all this dopamine and, you, and it actually, it, it trims certain circuits back and it, and it numbs your ability to feel pain. So most, almost, I, I, I would say almost everyone is using pornography primarily as a way to medicate the pain that they feel in their own life. Mm -hmm. uh, and, it, and it really does numb you, and it numbs your ability to think about things, um, which is why... So, go ahead. Real quick, I just want to inter interject this. Um, you, you, suspect, you would suspect that for a 20-year-old on the college campus looking at pornography, yeah. it is almost never that they're just bored and this is easy. Right. Absolutely. That there's actually deeper stuff going on. Absolutely. That deals with pain, trauma, uh, uh, the kingdom of Satan. Right. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anti-gospel. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. You, you know, so many people tell you, like, if you're looking at porn or you're struggling with this stuff, um, like, oh, you just need to love Jesus more. Or oh, you just need to learn the gospel more. And that's true to a certain extent. But the problem is, is they're giving you a weapon that is worthless at one of the fronts of the battle. Yeah. But when it's applied to the, to the actual front of the battle, the actual places of shame in your life and in sure. your heart, like it breaks the back of the dragon. It yeah, destroys for him. Sure. Because, I mean, that is where, that is where the seed is. And the, but the hardest part is trying to figure out and try to find where those seeds are. In your own struggles, is there anything you haven't shared yet that, that hasn't been helpful for you? Like, is there anything that you just like, man, that wasn't helpful. Like sure. somebody tried, I tried, you know, you said uh, earlier, um, you said you just tried, you tried to confess yep. to want to somebody. Yep. Um, uh, and like your worship leader, I think, or something, or you were the worship leader and they were your pastor. Right. Yeah. Right. So what, what, what hasn't been helpful? 
Yeah, <clears throat> you know, I think um, here's here's the reason why you you use accountability, and I'll I'll use the word. I'm I'm not scared. It's of great. It. <laughs> yeah, I like the word too. Um, you know, whenever so I'll g- I'll give you an example from my job. I, I work in um, I work in software, and uh, when we when something goes wrong. When, when something bad happens, and you, I'm sure you've experienced this, you open a web page, it crashes, yep. uh, you know, some application you're working on crashes. Um, when that happens, when you have a, a major failure, you have, you have a real opportunity there uh, because what that failure indicates, is it, it doesn't necessarily mean that something is just wrong with that application, but it means that there's something wrong with the process that you used to develop that application. Yep. We call it a post-mortem, right? You have something bad happen, and the first, the most important thing you do is to not attribute blame, because if you attribute blame to a lot of people in the in that scenario, it, it discourages people from sharing things. Yeah. Um, and so you want to create kind of a culture where there's freedom to share mistakes and things that things did wrong. Because the issue isn't it's not bad people, it's a bad system that have, has led up to that mm-hmm. that being a mistake. So what does that look like in pornography, or in struggling with the stuff and accountability? Um, you know, when I share with you, hey, Jason, I, I, I relapsed, um, you know, any, any leader that, or that has someone share that to the most important thing to do first. Or a friend, just a friend. Exactly. If a friend shares this with you too, right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Is to say, you know, you know thank you for sharing. Uh, and just that, that reminder of affirmation, like I'm yeah. not going to cast you out. Yes. Um, and then the other piece is just to start asking questions like, you know, where were you? What was going on? Tell me about your week leading up to that. Yeah. And what you can do is when you start to have these kinds of postmortems, so to speak, and you look at the things that led up to that instance, you can start to tease out some of these systems and Patterns, schemes yeah. that are in place that, are, that keep bringing me to this place. Yeah. Like I said, you know, every time I would go home to my parents' house, I wanted to look at porn. <laughs> it's like there's a connection there. Every There's a connection I between, yeah, right. Yeah, right, right. And, and you know, it, it took me forever to try to start teasing some of yeah. that stuff out. But yeah. I guarantee you, if you start, you know, writing down, talking about these times when you relapse, you'll start seeing that there, yeah. that there's a pattern. Yeah, that's true. Every time I've asked, every time I've gone down that uh, that point of inquiry with in a conversation with somebody as it relates to pornography, there's always. What is the place you view it the most? Yep. What is the device you view it the most on? What precedes it that day? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and for some folks, I mean, it, it's it's been so pervasive for so long that there's a lot of those. Right. But for many people, you know, it reminds me of a story in college. Uh, my, my college pastor had a couple come to him and say, hey, you know, we're this couple been dating for a number of years. And they said... Um, you know, we're, we're having sex all the time and we mm-hmm. cannot figure out how to not have yeah, sex. We sure. want to try to honor the Lord, you know, and not, and each other and like not have sex. And uh, he talked to them for a while and he got, kind of just got this hint that like they spend like all their time together, like mm-hmm. all their time together. Mm-hmm. He's like, how much time do you guys spend together? And it was like so much time. He's like, you guys, no, no married couple I know spends this much time together. Sure. And then and as he kept unpacking it, he he found that they were often like going to, they were sleeping in the same bed almost every single night mm-hmm. naked. And but that wasn't like problematic for them. Mm-hmm. And I'm, this kind of to your point earlier, I'm not trying to frame that as a sure. moral problem. Right. At, yeah. at this point. Yeah. Just like just practically speaking, in their mind, what they were trying to figure out how to do was spend all their time together and go to bed naked all night long mm-hmm. and not and magically not have sex sure. you know and yeah. to like break yeah. the news to them you guys sure. god designed you to want to have sex in that moment right. you know like you actually need to spend less time together and not sleep in the same bed together and like stop being so mad at yourself for having sex when that is the guaranteed result given the patterns of behavior leading up to that moment sure sure uh and, and it does strike me that quite often when um I guess, I mean, these, these sin issues um, present themselves mm-hmm. when the fruit on the tree mm-hmm. presents itself, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, man, blame comes real quick. Yeah. Uh, people do try to curb behavior real fast. Yep. And it shuts down yeah. curiosity. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I would imagine that couple that you mentioned, you know, obviously sleeping together naked, probably not the best idea. But it's like, I would I would guess, like, if they if they 
thought through those days because yep. some days they had sex, some days they didn't. Sure. What was different about the days they had sex? Right. I guarantee you, yep. it would be something like an argument came up between them, yeah. or you know, totally. some some memory from their past came totally. and caused pain. And and that's and that's the issue, right? It's not. Yes, you shouldn't be sleeping together naked in a bed. Um, yes, but but even if let's say they weren't dating at all. Uh, and let's say that that seed of pain is still going to be there, and they have they have two options: they can face it, um, and they can use the gospel to counteract it, or they can try to medicate it or run from it. Yeah. Um, you know. This this aspect, and this is the hardest part of dealing of dealing with pornography, is intentionally turning into your pain, uh, and it's really it's modeled by Christ Himself. Hundred percent. Right when Christ came. The whole reason he came to Earth was to was to face you know the most pain that any being would in the universe would ever face, which was separation from God. Mm-hmm. And the reason why he did it is because he knew that the alternative of being of us being invited in as as children of God was was more important than the pain. Yes, and that's and that's where it has to start. You know, accountability. The purpose of accountability is to start to clear some of that numbness um, from your mind so that you can start actually feeling the real amount of pain in your life. Because when you start feeling the real amount of pain in your life, you can start to trace it to its source and to its root and start to actually deal with it. Yeah, And that is so hard to start doing. So that's great. To circle way back uh, to near the beginning of our conversation, um, that's a necessary part of the process. You still need a guide to help Absolutely. lead you out. Absolutely. Um, and obviously, I mean, I would love it if churches uh, would make guides available. Yeah. You know, like figure out how to connect. I do think, I don't know if you have other suggestions here. Sure. I do think for folks to find a guide, they're either going to need to look up uh, a, some kind of program, yeah. local program, I would assume. Sure. Um, or probably take the, it's, it's an, unfortunately, it just requires, I think, a lot of initiative. Mm-hmm. To reach out to a leader and say, I need somebody who's been, who's gotten the other side of this. Yeah. Right? I mean, do you have other suggestions there? Yeah. I mean, I stumbled on this group. I've never found it. I, so I'm in a recovery group of uh, 15 guys. I've got a small group of four guys with one leader. Um, and the, the leader has been, um, he's been walking in sobriety now for, for I think, more than, more than two years now. Um, yeah, which is, again, a miracle. I've never found anything like this. I never even heard of it. I never knew it existed. Yeah. Um, or if, maybe I, I heard it through the grapevine a couple of times, but I didn't really think I needed something like that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, cause you know, back to the whole, the pain thing real quick, in, you know, often the most common pattern for, for Christians is you end up in these kinds of binge purge cycles. Uh, and the, and the reason why that is, is, you know, your pain will start to increase as you start moving through life. Um, and then because you're not dealing with it, you need a way to numb it out. So you'll start looking at pornography. But the problem with, and this is this is the aspect of addiction, when you start engaging in that behaviors, the behaviors themselves cause pain. And a lot of times they cause more pain than they're actually able to numb out, mm-hmm. right? So you, you, you purge, you look at pornography to the point where porn is causing you more pain than it's able to numb, and then you yes. stop. Yes. And then your natural pain levels start increasing again. Then you start looking at porn again. And your porn increases until your pain is too high, and then you stop again. And you just stay in that cycle for all perpetuity. But the problem isn't that you're looking at porn. The problem is that initial pain threshold and the fact that, and the fact that we're not dealing with it. So mm-hmm. in identifying those patterns is why it's so important to have a flight leader or a, or a leader, you know, whatever phrase that you want to use. Um, I mean, I would say if, if there are any, if there's anyone who's listening to this, who's experienced freedom uh, from this stuff, like, we need you. Yeah. <laughs> we need your help. Yeah, and they probably should, uh, I mean, I would love it if they would make themselves known to leaders, mm-hmm. you know, like me yeah. and at the house, because, or, or pastors at churches, or, you know, um, I guess, uh, Sunday school class leader, I mean, whatever context sure. you're in, not because, you know, uh, well, just by the nature of the fact that, like, I lead a particular organization, yeah. a lot of times folks that have that want help will come to me, and so I'm going to be able to make those connections better. Sure. But I think they've got to make themselves known. Yeah, yeah. So that we have those resources. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, you know, I'm I'm still working through 
I haven't quite reached sobriety. So I'll, I'll define sobriety for you sure, real quick. Yeah. It's essentially, it's, it's a year of no porn, no masturbation, no acting out whatsoever. Okay. Um, is that kind of your own definition or is that pretty amongst the folks you know? It's varying amounts. Um, six it, months to a year. Sure. Um, but yes, I mean, I would, I would challenge anyone that's looking at pornography once every couple months that you're actually, you're, you're still struggling with yeah. it. It's, it's, it's still not something that you're sober from. Um, you know, and the, and the reality is, is like Satan would love to replace your porn habit with pride, greed, anything else, right? Yeah, there, sure. There's, there's, yeah. porn isn't the only thing we can He's use to medicate, buffet. yeah, right. to use to medicate our pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many people will replace, you know, acting out sexually with something else. So the goal here really is to, is to deal, is to deal with that pain at its root mm-hmm. um, and to get to a place where, um, like our minds are literally transformed <laughs> neurologically yeah. yes. And By the love of God and Jesus Christ, that my, yeah. yeah, that I actually bring my pain to Him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Let Him meet me there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because He He is the only thing that can really yeah. give you that kind of. That yeah, I mean, what th- this is? It's just trip. I think when we begin to look at this, it's so. Uh, I don't know. Like sometimes it sounds cliche, mm-hmm. um, but when I can, when I'm more sober, I suppose. Sure. It's like unbelievable. It's yeah. that. It's that. Uh, you know, the language, Keller uses that language mm-hmm. a lot where he talks about things I, I've, I've just never even dared to hope for. Right. Yeah. You know, kind of yeah. thing. That what if I, what if, what if, what if I knew God's love to such a degree that I didn't mm-hmm. need to medicate my pain? Yeah. Yeah. Not just Absolutely. with pornography. Yeah. But what if, what if yeah. my pain was actually something where I could encounter the love of God yeah. and it wasn't something I needed to run from yeah. and it didn't trigger all sorts of, you know, uh, detour behaviors in my life, um, but I was at peace even in the midst of suffering. Yeah, I mean, you're giving me goosebumps. I mean, like imagine being able to do your job without anxiety, or imagine, imagine. I need a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Like right. imagine, imagine right. being able to love people for who they are and not what they do for you or they bring yes. to the table. Yes. Like there, there's so much freedom yeah. that Christ has for us in this. Amen. And, you know, Ted Roberts calls, calls sexual sin and addiction Satan's master plan for keeping us in, in captivity. And I do think that there's a lot of truth to that. The cycle is so deceptive and it's so easily, it's, it gets into our lives so easily. But the goal, you know, the goal isn't just for you to not look at pornography. The goal is, is for you to experience life abundantly. Yes. For that description of of life that Jesus gives in, in the Sermon on the Mount, for that to be real. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I, for the first time, I actually think that something like that is possible. I mean, it won't be, it won't be completed until I die. Um, right, and, but he can, by degrees of glory, yeah, he gets you closer. Yeah. Because he's a good king. Yeah, and yeah. the gospel really does have power. Yes, amen. <laughs> uh, it really does have the ability to overthrow strongholds of the enemy to lift mountains and move them around yeah Uh, i've seen it in my own life i've tasted it but those strong those strongholds of the enemy have power too and you know leading um communities and organizations i'm sure people see this that aren't leading too i'm sure you've seen it but i mean it is heartbreaking to sort of have those to to know um to i just i know a big reason why a lot of men don't step into leadership. Mm-hmm. I know a big reason why a lot of men are not um, asking women out face to face. Yeah, you know, I know why. Yeah. Uh, I know why a lot of I, I know why college ministries around the nation. There's exceptions. Like I know, um, you know, where there's places where uh, a leader is uh, kind of has a lot of machismo and is pretty strong. That mm-hmm. they they actually tend to get a lot of guy applicants for leadership positions. Mm-hmm. But outside of those environments. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a lot of folks are seeing like you know three to one women to men applicants so, like sure. men just aren't showing up and there's a number of factors but one of them and it's everybody knows this has to do with sex, shame mm-hmm. from sexual sin yeah. Yeah. Um, guys know they're gonna gosh if I step into this leadership position either this yeah. is gonna get exposed yep. or I'm gonna have to just face it even if it doesn't get exposed and I don't know if I want to deal with that yeah. and it's we're probably so in it that we're not even having that conversation. It's a suppressed, 
muted conversation in the other room. Mm. And so I just don't even look at the applications. Mm. You know, I'm not even going to ask that girl out. Mm. I'm not going to sign up for this position. I'm not going to lift my head up. Yeah. You know, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Shame is is such a big part of this, right? Because, you know, the difference between guilt and shame is I've done something wrong versus I I am am wrong. That's right. Uh, And that is, that's such a common strategy. And that, you know, and that, the traumatic events of our past really yeah. ingrain the shame yeah. into us. Okay, let's pause for a minute because sure. I want to make sure this is said emphatically. In the kingdom of God, there is a place for guilt. Uh, and it's, you know, it it's probably starts right after conviction, <laughs> you know, sure. and, until you sort of realize the love of God again. Like there's a, I mean, we name that sort of space, I think, probably guilt or something. Uh, there is no place for shame in That's the kingdom right. of God. That's right. That is of the devil. Uh, any ministry, any leader, any friend, yeah. you know, any interpretation of a Bible passage directed at your life. Yeah. There's God has zero desire for you to ever feel shame. It's not a tool he wants to use in your life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's and that really is where the root of the problem is and where the front of the battle is. Huh. And that's the reason why you know, the gospel is the weapon that we use to defeat our enemy. Yeah. But it's understanding... Where is it in our lives and in our hearts where our deepest shame lies? Because that's where, that's where the gospel can be used. When we're sitting at home and we're alone and we, and we you know, open our browser and the thought pops into our head to look at porn, mm-hmm. like if you try to use the gospel right then, like you're probably toast. Yeah. <laughs> that's not going to work yeah, very right. well. But there's that sense of like I am a bad person and therefore this is what I deserve mm-hmm. or this is what I should do or mm-hmm. I can't say this. Yeah. You know, those are the places to do that. And, you know, I, I'm sure you long for our churches and our Christian communities to be places where we can echo that voice of our Father who looks at us, looks at those things that we think we can't show anyone, that we can't even show Him, uh, things that we're not really even able to admit about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And to say that you know, that's what I died for, and that's and I love you, every part of you, you know, to the core of who yes. you are. He does. So, and that's all of life is just discerning. Yeah. Or, or, or the battle to believe it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's true, no matter what. It, it is true that he loves us, that's but right. it's man, so many things work against that. That's right. So that's many right. things are working for it too. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. Trip, I just for the sake of time, I want to wrap this up and yeah. ask if you can just share like how what kind of advice would you want to offer uh, specifically young folks like college age folks? Sure. Um, you maybe said some things already that maybe you just want to recap, but I think you know there's probably folks listening who um, who are looking at pornography once every couple of months. There's probably there's folks who are listening who are. Um, you know, not telling their families or their friends yep. that they're hooking up all yep. the time, and porn seems like porn seems like a place that would be nice to get back to, sure, for where they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and so there's probably a whole range of folks listening to this. I and I do apologize. I, I probably haven't been um, speaking or thinking much or speaking directly to women in this. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, that's just not something I've talked to a lot of women about, mm-hmm. and uh, I hope that there's ways that this can be helpful for them too. But. Um, but anyway, is there any kind of help or advice you'd want to offer to somebody college age uh, in this sort of spectrum and dealing with the addictions to pornography? Yeah, I, you know, I think knowing that there's hope, yeah. um, knowing that there is there is a way to move this mountain. Uh, and, and for there are people in the world and in the church in our country today where the mountains have been moved. Um, that was the biggest thing for me. I, didn't, I just didn't know anyone that had experienced that. I thought everyone just dealt with this or... For some reason, they didn't, and they were just lucky. Um, you know, ask, ask for help. Uh, ask for help, because you won't be able to do it on your own. Um, and you know, I I live in upstate New York, <laughs> so I, I I know I would love to be around to try to help folks here, and maybe one day I will be. But I do know. As I experience more and more sobriety, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay committed to try and to try and fight this thing because I, I truly believe that there are weapons to fight it and there are strategies yeah. to fight it and to win. Yeah. Um, and there and there are other people that believe that too. Uh, so, yeah, know that there's hope. Ask for help. Um, and 
just know that there's nothing that separates you from God. And yeah, there's there's a lot of practical things too. Um, things like journaling is really helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there, there are a lot of other things. Well, it does, it does say, I think that actually is helpful. The stuff you mentioned is the most helpful, but I actually think, <clears throat> I guess I'm curious how you'll respond to this. Sure. I think it's more likely that somebody who hasn't uh, made any headway in this, mm-hmm. um, you know, early on you, you talked about how it's, it's, you use the word struggle. And I think you, I think you paused probably for the same reason I would pause in it. <laughs> Because I actually think most men don't struggle. Yep. We just roll over. Correct. Yep. You know, and so we don't actually struggle with yes. porn. Yes. It would be nice if we struggled. You know, yeah. kind of thing. Okay. Um, but I think for folks who haven't struggled in that way with this, um, they're probably more likely to try journaling maybe than asking sure. for help. Right. Uh, you know, so uh, first anyway, and and maybe that's tough because I wonder if that actually, if you don't just maybe the stuff you said first is most important because. Uh, you might just get into a cycle, a shame cycle of yeah, trying. That's true. Trying things that aren't actually going to move the needle much. Sure. Um, like journaling alone. Yep. By yourself, even though journaling is a great practice, without a guide, without some accountability, without folks praying for you, without without a picture of hope, without reminders of the gospel mm-hmm. from the outside. Yeah. Um, which is how we need to hear the gospel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's how we believe it most powerfully. Um. You might end up just sort of journaling for a week, looking at pornography, right. and then feeling like, see, this right. isn't, you know. Yeah, that's true. You really do need someone to come alongside you that that, that knows how to do this, um, that's done it before and has seen victory in their lives. So, you know, just start asking. Yeah. And, you know, our churches should be places where we do yeah. that. Yep. So ask ask your churches. And I think, I, think, I think I would suggest if the leaders of your churches, your spiritual leaders, mentors, are not helpful— I think you, in a, in a way that's kind, I think you should say you're not being helpful. Yeah. Um, and I need more help. I, I really, I think connect me with somebody who can. Yeah. Like they're, um, they they're either paid or they've been anointed or placed or right. somebody has blessed their appointment sure. in that leadership position in some sure. capacity, and they need to own that position a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and do the work. You know. Um, we're. Yeah. So. I think a lot of leaders in this past year and white churches have been trying to figure out how to step up to the plate a little bit with racial mm-hmm. reconciliation and sure. um, racial justice and these yep. kinds of things. And um, this is another area of mm-hmm. suffering and justice, trauma, whole deal. Um, I don't hear you saying one thing that will help is get you know a significant other or get married. Mm-hmm. That's, That's right. You yes. know, you've mentioned that a couple of times. We don't have time to get into it too much. Sure. But I think just emphatically, um, any of the ways in which you're medicating your pain are not going to be solved by getting married. Right, absolutely. I really hope that sex with my wife would solve this problem for me. Uh, In reality, it probably created more pain than than it than it dealt with totally totally so that's not it and you know just uh just stop it yep yes is not the uh, that's the worst try that's not harder the answer. Is, yeah is, try harder yeah because that that's ultimately right. just fills you with more shame yeah and i didn't hear you say like you know put your phone in the other room but would you advocate for um for somebody maybe as a first or second step even um all, all like behavior modification right or Actually, that one, you can answer these separately. Sure. But behavior modification is like a first step right now. Like put your phone in the other room. Get, you know, don't leave your door open or yep. something like this. Um, and then the other one would be installing something like Covenant Eyes mm-hmm. or something like that on their on their devices. Would you advocate for either of those at a first step or two? Um, those, those will likely be a part of the process, yes. But what's more important is you have... Um, you have safe people that you can talk to about about the times that you relapse and, and you and you look at stuff. You know, like I said, the, the the problem with looking at pornography is you're numbing your brain out so much that you can't see the root of the problem in the first place. Mm-hmm. So one of the first steps is to remove some of those things that you're using to numb yourself out, so that you can start to see the threads of pain and identify sure. their source and their root. And that's where things like covenant eyes. And, and various other tools sure. are in place so that you can start to actually feel the pain that you're in. I think that makes a ton of sense. Well, brother, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your story a little bit. Thanks for being an example of um, some hope. Yeah, right for now. sure. Yeah, it's, it's still a long way to go, but I know that 
I know that this will be a fight that I'll always be engaged in probably for the rest of my life. Yeah, and I don't, I do think, um, I don't think we gave enough time to this, but it's sure. just a, it's a reality. We live, I think when I shared this uh, phrase with you last time we talked, but it was lent to me by a pastor, a friend of mine, um, that we live in a digital brothel, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. uh, and like this is, there's, there's money, there's people, you know, so many, some of the most advanced strategies um, for marketing and attention mm-hmm. are, um, are in the sex industry. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not a neutral playing field is how I like to think about it. Like when you get up every day, it's not like if you just mind your own business um, that you can dodge this. Right. Yep. Um, the, the forces of the kingdom of Satan that are mapped onto the kingdom of America, you know, yes. or the West or whatever, yeah. uh, are, uh, are, 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 are uh, they want your attention. Yeah. Um, and they want you to become enslaved to make some money. Yeah. Uh, Whatever. So anyway, um, I, I think what that means to me is that we actually all will be engaged in this battle for as long as there's a market to be had mm-hmm. um, in this culturally. Uh, and of course, um, some of that market exists within our very natures, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, as we long to look for other gods, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, but thanks for this. I appreciate it. I yeah. hope it's really helpful. Um, would it be okay with you if, if somebody from this community... Um, uh, wanted to text or email you. Yeah, absolutely. You don't, you don't have to give the information on the podcast. Sure. But they can reach out to me. Yeah. And then I'll just connect them with you over text. Yeah. You know, like I said, I live somewhere else, but I'm, I want to be a part. I want God to use me however I can yeah. if it's to offer more hope. Yeah. Um, can I can I give you one more illustration? Please do. Uh, it's my second Lord of the Rings example. My favorite one, probably my favorite moment in the Lord of the Rings uh, is when, you know, the armies of Mordor are entrenched around Minas Tirith. Yes. And you know, Minas Tirith was built by the. This is gonna get really nerdy really quick. It was built by the Numenorians in the Second Age. How how into how into Lord of the Rings are you? Uh, Scale of one to ten. Seven. Seven. Okay, <laughs> Probably. So you, so you know I really ways. love Lord of the Rings. Yeah, sure. But you're gonna outdo me here. It's good. No, it's all good. So Minas Tirith was built by the Numenorians uh, in the Second Age ish, um, and they had this gate that was you know it's, it's the same kind of material supposedly as what. Uh, or thank the tower that Saruman is in. So it's this impregnable gate. Uh, and even though the armies were huge, they really thought they would be able to hold. Uh, and, you know, Pippin and Gandalf are yeah. sitting inside and they're, and they're trying to fend off the siege. And, they're, uh, and they, the armies of Mordor wheel out this battering ram uh, that's like in the shape of a warg. And it's supposedly embodied with the spirit of the original warg. I can't remember his name. From the first age, right? Sure. And, uh, and so every- you're at a level nine. Okay, good. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's right. I, I don't have enough memorized. I can't speak Elvish yet, so I'm not at ten. Um, but the thing is, everyone's heart grows cold because they realize that the same kind of power uh, that's made that holds their gate together is what this is what this ram is yeah. made out of. And what happens, of course, they smash the gate down. Uh, the gate breaks open, and, and that you know, even Gandalf is like white as a sheet. Uh, and the Witch King, yes. the first one who rolls in the gate, and walks into Minas Tirith, just having bashed down this door that no one thought they could break, uh, and stares Pippin and, and Gandalf down. And then they hear a horn. <laughs> they hear a horn blow, and it's and it's the Riders of Rohan. And the Witch King stops in his tracks, turns around, and walks out of the gate the same way that he came in. Uh, and it says that you know, from that moment on, Pippin could never. He would every time he heard a horn, he would just burst into tears because he'd remember the ways that he was saved. In one of the darkest hours of his life, so I hope that things like this yeah. can be a horn for people to know that there's hope, even as the mightiest enemy of, is in the gates. You know there is there's still hope. Sorry, I didn't intend on getting that weepy on you. No, I, I. It struck this whole conversation was was. Uh, imagined, I suppose, um, out of the, the substance of that story. I think mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people feel like there is no hope. Yeah. Uh, and yet, 
you know, the author of Hebrews suggests, because of Jesus, we are a people who don't shrink back. That's right. You know, and um, and all the people who've come before us didn't get what they wanted. Yeah. Uh, but they resisted, and they held out hope, faith. And the author of Hebrews moves to talk about, and I love this man, Jesus. You know, he's the one who, be, that's what they say. That's the gospel, man. You know, I mean, he's the one who begins it and finishes it. Um, and so lift your weary heads and strengthen your weak knees. You know. Lord, have mercy. Um, and I pray that, I pray that as God's people or churches um, would stop pouring fuel in the fire. Yeah. Um, and not just stop, that we'd have a different kind of fuel altogether. You know, we'd start a new one, new fire. Old fire. Anyway, thank you, brother. I love you. Absolutely. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining us, friends. I'm so thankful that you joined us for this conversation. We need stories of hope right now. We need to know the hope we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to know that we can have victory. We need to know that God loves us first and to the very bottom. I hope Tripp's story, I, I hope the ways in which he shared and the things he shared, I hope, I hope it helps you know that you're not alone. And friend, if you, if you want uh, to talk, if you need help, uh, feel free to reach out to me. Um, you can find my contact information at thehouseutc.org. I'll be happy to connect you with Tripp if you want to talk. Um, ladies, if you're listening, uh, I'll connect you with some ladies as well. So. I love you, friends. God bless you. If this has been helpful, please share it. We need more stories like this. We need more people talking about this. And we need to know that we can actually have victory in this area of life. God bless you today.